Welcome back to Anime Savants, everyone. Uh, this is episode 61. Yeah, episode 61. And this week, I am Yukimaru. And this week, I'm Ultra Ego Vegeta. What? What is that? Oh, do I even... Is that from the manga? Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay, so he... he, he okay. Well... <laughs> oh boy um uh, as far as news goes i'm just gonna get this um funimation why the fuck are you dubbing promise neverland season two um nobody wants to see nobody wants it nobody wants it like i'm pretty sure it's a waste of money i can guarantee you guys because i feel like maybe the people who only watch dubs want it but then once they get it they're gonna be like we didn't want this we yeah like we didn't want this and uh, it's one of the few shows that i basically have just been like i've watched the first three episodes and based off of what everyone else has said they were like oh no we're that don't don't continue so i'm gonna read the manga to finish that series i'm not going to subject myself to that maybe yeah. a hate watch if i have the time afterwards but no like why are y'all doing this but Crunchyroll that's, that's weird. reveals a dub for Battle Game in five seconds. So that's good. That means mm-hmm. that show's going to get a little bit more like exposure, which I think it definitely deserves because uh, I'm enjoying the episodes so far. Shit's fucking fun. Oh, so I also had a question for you. Oh, boy. So uh, they're, apparently they're on the My Villain Academia arc yes. from My Hero. And yes. a lot of people are complaining. Have you watched any of the episodes yet i have not but oh, I, it's, okay. uh, the, I enjoy this part but it's also a funky place to end the season well some people on. are saying six episodes aren't enough for them to cover They're that probably right i will say this about my hero at the stage that it is in the story is that there's a lot of characters that get kind of dumped into the storytelling uh-huh. relatively quickly a lot of them are very, very interesting. I wouldn't necessarily say that the manga itself spends enough time even fleshing them out. Um, in particular, the, the, the characters now in all of the new openings, like Redestro, I think that character alone uh, deserved more time in the manga as a... I mean, he, he hangs around for a while, but like where where he's being introduced and sort of the beginning of this arc... Because you can really think of the, the, the villain arc in two halves and so they're going to do the first half i think this season and uh-huh. then start season two with the second half because there's kind of a time skip and um some other things that happen some big character development moments so Ooh. i haven't paid much attention to the chatter around what they are planning to do in six episodes but it is there's a lot and you know i've said this before that i'm a big fan of my hero and i'm a big fan of its adaptation but one of the challenges is that the series is not perfect by any means and pacing has always been a problem for the series especially as the cast got or gets bigger and bigger and bigger because it's not a series that really removes characters you know it's only adding and it's only uh you know some of them are better than others yeah 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 there's a lot there's a lot that's left on the table in the manga and if they're doing it for the anime i have a feeling that the way that this feels to fans is that they're not going to get this sort of satisfying ending. Because let's be clear, the villain-focused bit is very important for developing the story, 
but it's also not necessarily the most interesting thing to people who only watch the show because they want to see the growth of the main cast. So this would be like if they went um, during the hero killer arc, if they had spent four episodes of following Stain around and what Stain was doing. I mean, in that in that arc, yeah, he his character was basically the the focus of all the action, but they centered it on you know the the primary cast it was about their growth. So I think that like if you weren't if you weren't a manga reader, you were not. Um, expecting that you were going to spend so much time with the bad guys if you are a manga reader and you like this part you're going to look at the amount of episodes they've got left and say damn that's they have to cram a lot into six episodes and then knowing what the schedule is you're not going to come back to this you're, you're not going to get a conclusion really and then you're not going to come back to it for what another like eight months yeah minimum. it's gonna be a minute yeah it could be a whole year so i understand why folks might have a bit of an issue okay um, and then my final one is uh, Jojo Land got announced. Crazy. But, makes sense, though. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. So is that final chapter out yet? For, um, um, for I haven't seen it, but should be this week or next week. Okay. Because uh, Jojolian just entered. I mean, not just entered, just or supposedly just ended. Yep. And uh, But there's no, like, date for Jojo Land. But I'm very interested in the name. Like, is it going to be like a cross-universe like I think that would be really cool. Especially yeah. given the implications of Jojolian. And even a, a couple of seasons before. I think specifically the beginning and ending of Steel Ball Run. Um, oh, so, okay. Still, okay, so that's, that's the one after Stone Ocean. That's the one after Stone Ocean that okay. is inexplicably, at least from the point of view of uh, if you start it, in another universe. Mm, okay, okay. And it has some implications for what goes on in Jojolian, which they do a good job of piecing out over the course. That's a Jojolian is really long, like really long. It, hasn't it? And how long has it been? Years. Yeah. It's like six years, something like that. Seven. I don't know. It's a, a while. Um. So that's. I'm very intrigued. Very, very, very intrigued. Some people don't. Some people really like Jojolian. Some people hate it. Um, the art is fantastic, but like there are things. If you are, if you're a JoJo fan, especially of the later stuff, the more I won't say experimental, but uh, transcendental, like subject matter that the that the stories tend to tackle, especially yeah. like Stone Ocean is kind of the 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 precursor to all of this. I won't give away anything about like the the main villain, but like you know the causality comes into play. So if you're not a fan, if you were not a fan of those things, and you what you really liked was a more straightforward, you know, action adventure stories that the first three or four um, stories were about. Yeah, yeah. This is like Jojolian is like decadently everything you're not into. Oh, but if you like really really okay. interesting, intricate powers and tests and like you know just the most gorgeous artwork that spills over all pages and crazy ideas and you know holy shit universe okay. swapping timeline bending weird shit i mean i enjoyed jojolian maybe it's my maybe third favorite because i'm still a big fan of battle tendency because mm. how over the top and but it's over the top but it's still like a very um linear 
action story. Yeah, yeah, But, yeah, like, yeah. Jajolian is, like, for me, artwork. It's not quite fine art because it's still insane, but, like, it's artwork to me. So, I don't know. I don't know what people are going to be about it because it's definitely going to get animated. I promise you that. I promise so, you. Probably in the next like five years. Yeah, probably five years. They're gonna like Steel Ball Run will be a lot of fun, and it'll be a great. Because I what heard people... some some I saw some comments saying that they might have difficulties animating Steel Ball Run for some reason. Uh yeah. There's a big religious overtone oh, to the whole thing. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh shit. Well, I didn't think it was because of that. I thought it was because of, like of some of the powers getting like real crazy. Yeah, there are there are those. I don't want to. I mean, I I think I know what they're talking about. But if if anything is gonna be a problem, it would probably be the religious symbols because in some territories you're not allowed to. Like in China, I think you can't. Oh, okay, that's a hint enough then. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I mean- I, so I, I I don't I don't know, but I think for most people, when it gets made, it will be presented by JoJo fans as a place for folks who have avoided the series to come in. Because it, at least as far as you would know up to that point in the series, has no connection to the rest of the stories or universes. It's just all brand new stuff. But if this new story is like finally explaining how all all of this fits together, and maybe there's like a crossover or like I could imagine, no I could new like JoJo. <clears throat> it's like all the JoJos. I could theory craft a way in which they could put make an, make like an intersection to get every character into one series that wouldn't be outside the realm of what they've already introduced but i'm ready to be surprised because i'll be honest with you like i have never once predicted anything correctly about the story of a jojo series (laughs) not a single time when i've been reading it so wow i mean uh, that's one thing that i really enjoyed about part five was that the i guess like the physics and like the way that the powers were like interacting with each other there were times where I was like, I got to rewind that for that explanation again, because I don't really understand right. how these niggas are doing this. So if it gets even wilder like that, I'd be interested. I do enjoy the action adventure aspect of it. But if it's just going to make me do more thinking about like, you know, oh, this is some wild ass shit and this interacts with this and blah, 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 then, hey, like, yeah, I love it. Yep. Oh, yeah. That was the last thing that I have. Okay. Yeah. So I have a I have a, a couple of stories. One is short. We got like ten to fifteen seconds worth of uh, animation for uh, the second core of season two, season one of eighty six. Uh huh. Um, and you know, from what's visible there, they're not giving anything away <clears throat> as far as the cliffhanger that the first core ended on, because all you really see um, is stuff inside of the Republic. So. You know, you have you know, some shots of Lena, the cat that we know got rescued, blah, blah, blah. So it wasn't a lot of new animation. It was just an announcement that uh, the second core will start in October, like we all figured it would. Um, the music, I think they have an updated, the beginning part of an updated theme sounded pretty good. Uh, but besides that, I have my one nagging complaint is about the way Anime is marketed these days, especially for folks who don't fully understand or don't follow the timeline of releases. So, you know, 86 is a new series. So we're on season one. It was announced as being a two core uh, with, you know, or two quarter 
series, which means you're going to get somewhere between 24 and 26 episodes. It depends on the on the show. Usually it's 20. It used to be... I remember back in the day when it was 26. Then it became like 24 plus like some... Uh, like omakase like extra episode or recap uh, episode in the middle and yeah. now they've just started dropping that shit it's down to 20 in fact if i remember jujutsu kaisa they made i think they only really had like 23 episodes because they had a recap episode but they didn't go over the anyway i i digress like the the number of episodes we're getting seems to be dropping every season i can't wait till it's down to like 10 because of like Netflix, <laughs> like ne- and Netflix be tripping. They be giving you like six. They give you like calling eight. It a season. Or six, yeah, I'm like, this is not enough. Like bro. once it gets going, going, it's yeah, like, bro, the stop, end. stop, stop it right there. So anyway, th- this was marketed as a two core, and even I made the mistake uh, last season of thinking, oh, we're just gonna go right into the next, the same way some of these bigger series have been able to do, um, like My Hero and Jujutsu Kaisen and so on. You know, imagine my surprise, we got a season break, which, you know, from a production point of view, they had to do. But the way it's marketed is so weird, because if you go and read, like, even on Crunchyroll's description uh, of the series, they use language like, um, the, it'll air for two cores, but the cores themselves will be split. And then they have to explain, well, what that means is not that you're getting four, six episode uh, segments, but instead that they're just giving you a, the, the, the quarterly gap. Yeah. But, like, I've tried to explain this to people who are not, they don't understand the language, they they just, they heard about the show and they want to watch it, and then they're all surprised when season one is in two halves. So at that point, why not just, just call them individual seasons? I mean, that's what they really are, if you're taking that much production time off. I remember this really was an issue with um, Attack on Titan, maybe it was season three, where, like, you got season three, and then the, it was like, oh, nope, it's really the first half, and oh, nope, that yeah, second like, half of season three won't come for until years later. And like, I'm like, what? It's literally coming in January, like, a, a year later. So it's just like, yeah. why would y'all... Why would y'all say the final season and then announce only the first half at the very end? Yeah, like, this is not this is this is a marketing fail. And it doesn't sort of build like, hype. It just builds no. confusion. And I get it, you know, for both movies and TV, production is always like, you know, you have what you wish you could do, and then you have reality of how long things take, and I understand that you have one plan sometimes and it doesn't go right. But like now we're getting to the point where you have split seasons, but they're split by like somewhere between three and six months apart. And at that point, it's a second. I don't care what anyone says. Just call that a second season because nobody who's not like deeply into this shit is going to really care. But it'll make yeah. it so much easier to to consume and promote and talk about. So anyway, that's my mini rant of just 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 be honest. <laughs> if we're going to wait that long, just be honest. Um, besides that, there was an announcement of a new DC animated film that's going to be uh, headed up, at least on the uh, animation direction side, by Shinsuke Terasawa, who is an uh, uh, animation director for Yokai Watch. So it's an, it's an ant- DC anime, even though it's under the their general animated film label. But what really excites me about this one, as opposed to some other attempts to sort of merge the genres, is that it's going to be written... Um, by Greg Weissman. So this will be Catwoman Hunted. And Greg Weissman is behind some of my favorite cartoons, um, Gargoyles from way back in the day, which I stand by that it's like the the best Disney uh, cartoon that was ever produced for TV. Uh, I... 
Disney. I, I, uh, okay, yeah. People like Goof I Troop. Agree. People like Goof Troop. Yeah. I mean, Goof Troop was cool, but yeah, no, Gargoyles was that shit where it's like, let me sit the fuck down yeah. and, and watch but, this episode, even if it's a repeat. And we don't need to talk about what happened in Gargoyle season three. There's actually a great YouTube video breaking down um, the first two seasons of that show and then a lot of things that happened in the third season. A lot of people don't appreciate the third season. I'm one of them. I think it's it's quite bad, but that's because they took away all of the all but one of the original writing staff uh, and they got directed to do some other things with that series. But to me still, Gargoyles is legendary. And then also uh, Wiseman was responsible for writing, think about a season and a half's worth of Young Justice, which I think is an incredibly underrated cartoon. Um, it's probably- I cl- love that show. And then when it got canceled, I was like, why are y'all canceling this? This is uh, one of the only st- good things you have. Fun story about how Young Justice got canceled, which is um, it it had some of the strongest ratings of uh, what? a DC block animated show on Cartoon Network. And the reason why it was canceled was because those ratings were among women. Are you fucking kidding me? And and uh, Warner Brothers and their advertisers reached out to Cartoon Network and said, "Look, we when when you air that show, our intent is to sell boy toys to boys. That's where we buy our ads over that show to sell it. And we don't sell toys to girls. So Yay, we have no interest in this show Yay. until it was dropped. Wow, are you?" fucking serious yes. so why'd they its bring it back female audience was actually bigger than its male audience so why'd they bring it back then uh so that's another interesting thing so when dc was looking to beef up its streaming service four years ago yeah they were what they looked across all of their projects and they they had a slot in there for um a new justice league and long story short the effort it was going to take to boot up a new franchise was too much money. And so instead they said, is, are there any, what they called retired TV franchises that they could bring back that had a built in fan base. And at that point, all they remember. So young justice originally aired on cartoon network, which is ad supported. Mm-hmm. Right. So in that case, the distribution of the viewership makes a big difference for streaming. All that matters is subscriptions. They don't give a fuck if a woman buys a subscription or a man it's just raw numbers yeah and so for so at that point the the fan the information they had about the fan base and the viewership come became less let's call it degendered and they realized that young justice was their most popular dormant um animated series but even then they had to operate on a budget which is why i think the first season they, they did the same fucking shit i was complaining about in 86 they said oh we're giving you season three of young or whatever it was it was season two or season three as uh, streaming only yeah but but it was like broken up into like six episode seasons and then like you know uh was outlaws or something it was like the name of the new it was like young justice outlaws and they split it up so like it was still weird you would get like four episodes and then it would go away and then you get like four more episodes and it would go away so they still kind of fucked with the schedule but like the that's I'm 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 cribbing a lot of notes here, but the bottom line is that they it didn't matter at that point that it was popular among more popular among women than it was among men because all they cared about was getting the maximum number of uh of new subscriptions on yeah. their streaming service, and now they don't even care about that because they've sold off most of that streaming. Uh, right? Didn't um what's the name of the the DC one? 
Half that shit is on HBO now. Half that content. Yeah, the... Is it DC Universe? Is that what they call it? Yeah, DC Universe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they basically... I mean, there's a whole... There's a whole, like, very interesting world about streaming. And so, like, Time Warner owns um, HBO. And as well as DC Universe. And DC in general. Because, you know, Warner Brothers is under Time Warner. So... They started the, the their effort to build up all this like streaming content to compete. Remember they had like the Harley Quinn uh, cartoon, which was a hit for them, and yeah. a couple others. But 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 once a, once Paramount came in and a lot of these like Peacock got launched and NBC, what they suddenly realized was that they they needed to drive most of that traffic to HBO Max, and so they kind of pivoted out of pushing DC Universe as its own standalone thing i mean you can still get a subscription to it and we'll get you all that content but now they just cared about like how can we produce the most shit to throw onto hbo max to make people buy that it's a really weird ecosystem that's why i don't really trust anime getting developed through that because as soon as like one focus changes you could have like a series that does quite well that then you never see again um because Mm. One decision, one, one, whereas like, you know, an anime studio, the production committee, they just want to make the most money off of that one show as they can. So it's a little less flighty and you don't get situations like, um, you know, what's going on with like Netflix anime or Crunchyroll anime. Uh, and there was something else. Oh, right. The, uh, if you, have you been following what happened with Castlevania at all? No, did something new happen with them? So I the so it the was original confirmed. Castlevania was like a partnership between three guys who all worked under one studio, uh-huh. and the creative lead was a dude named Adi Shankar, and so he's the person he's um Indi- of Indian descent, but yeah, he's a guy you, you always brought see. him up before. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a really cool guy. He's really invested. So he he wrote and directed most of the uh, first four seasons of Castlevania. And if you if you remember, this actually made anime news as well because his that that company um I forget the name now, but they do a lot of like uh Is one of them doing work. one of the visions thing for uh, I I think uh, maybe, but here's the thing. So they announced a whole bunch of spin-offs for the Castlevania series. Adi Shankar got written out of the deal for all of those. So he what? makes more money. And so he's currently suing the studio and the two guys uh, who are, we used to be his friends. Oh um, my God, this is Facebook all over again. Yeah, but over fucking him out of the deals for the spinoffs because in his contract, he, it's written in that like if they make any new uh, projects on Castlevania, that he would have a, a production directorial role and ownership of um, you know, th- that content. And they just fucked him, like straight up. Wow. I hope Fun he wins. Stuff. I hope he yeah, takes everything. I hope he takes everything. <laughs> but also yeah, that's so the, fucked up for everyone else because now that's going to delay whatever the hell that's supposed to be coming out yeah um, but also did they I, really I mean, think it, that they could release anything of similar quality without him i don't know if he did that much work i don't know what the reasoning here is it could be that those guys had a money play and the studio basically said we'll pay for whatever the legal cost is to jettison this other dude um I don't. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not that deep in the story to like really understand why this happened, but it did. So anyway, like silly shit. Uh, I know that's like off the beaten path for anime exactly, but it is. You know, I mean, we got here from adjacent. gargoyles. Yeah, it's adjacent. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so the last thing that was on my mind is really more of a personal issue. Um, we had uh, 
covered a couple episodes of Kanajo Mo Kanajo and hate it. I still hate it. I'm not watching it. So don't worry. This is not me. This is not me saying like I'm, I've come back around on the series and we should. No, it's still utter trash. But I was reminded that the opening of Kanajo Mo Kanajo is uh, by Nekarai Taki, which is a band I really like. And they haven't really done any anime openings. And I remember when uh, uh, Jordan had, had sort of given the first episode recap and it it angered me and shocked me so much i had to go watch the second episode see how bad it really i did not rewatch the first episode and what <laughs> i missed though my brain caught it was that the opening is actually really good and it was and i was like that sounds like a it's band overshadowed that I know. by the show oh the show is so bad <laughs> but the opening is really really good so i just it just it double irritated me the more I thought, I thought and think about it, that like a, a good band that I actually like has one of their few anime openings over a show that I absolutely cannot stand, uh, and it's a good song too. So you know, I agree with that as far as just like animes that don't deserve good openings simply because of what Divine Gate did. Mm. To oh yes, uh, what a great opening! That oh man, fucking song. The, actually, you know what? The opening itself was good, but the yeah. show was filth. Utter fucking filth. So bad. So bad. I can't believe they actually aired 12 episodes of it. Like, Was it cheap or was it like trash? It was just trash. It wasn't cheap. The, the, I watched the first four <laughs> episodes. It wasn't cheap by any, compared to other things like... It wasn't the most like, you know, it was Studio Perot. Yeah. So like, it wasn't like ass. It was just like, you know, when shit went down, shit went down and it looked great. But just the story left, the pacing was irregular. The story wasn't making sense. They were adding characters and like, they weren't developing them. They were just like, oh yeah, this character's part of the group. And it's like, but yeah. where'd they come from? No, you can't. You, Okay. Okay. Uh, so okay. you were the one who introduced me to that show, but the funny thing is that when I originally went to go look up the opening to see how good it was, and it's quite good, the first like ten comments on the video that I was looking at were all saying the exact same thing that you did. Like, how did such an amazing opening wind up on such a trash show? Exactly. And I mean, if you're, it's it. The name of the song is "One Me Two Hearts" by Hitorie. Um, yeah. And. Uh, I'm kind of going to blame the show for them not doing more because I don't really see much more of a discography for them. So just, ugh. Well, the lead singer oh, died. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. The lead singer died. I yeah. And they, 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 I mean, yeah. they've continued on. They have another lead singer, but yeah, that was a big deal. He uh, died like maybe a year after this song got put out. Well, well, well. You hear that, studios? Yeah. Don't do this. I don't know. Does that mean put like tra if the show is trash, put a trash opening? On it? No, like, just I don't know put, what to do. Just put a regular like coop de doop opening. <laughs> that's like you know, it's a it's an opening that like you know it's not because there there are shows that have openings where you're like, oh, that was cute. I'm never gonna listen to this again. Like yeah, yeah. and then you have shows with openings where you're just like, I'm I'm what like Sukimichi every time watching the entire opening every fucking time. Yeah, it's a good Love opening, it. Yeah. So it's just like, no, or like 100 million, like, or 1 million last this season. The opening, is it bad? No. Do I listen to it every time? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. 
So you could get like, you know, decent openings for shows that may be like mid because like regular shows that I guess other people wouldn't. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. I thought a bird just like shit on my window and slapped oh. it. <laughs> Never mind. Um, regular shows that just have like, I don't know, just like, you know, decent to good openings. That that doesn't really like ruin it. It's just like, oh, okay, yeah, there was some effort put in here and I'm enjoying this experience. But it just it's just not fair. It's like there are good yeah. shows who don't have banger openings that deserve them. Because honestly, sometimes actually I would say a lot of times that's how some people discover their um anime. Oh, one hundred percent. They watch 100%. like they watch like those YouTube compilation videos. Of just like anime openings, and they're like, "Oh my god, what anime is this?" Yeah, and then yeah. that's how they can watch it. So yeah, good shows deserve good openings. Also, there's a bunch of artists I can think of that have never had an anime opening, and I'm like, "How? Did, how? how did this really? Not oh, well, like, you probably follow a lot of like, yeah, like yeah. some like J-pop and also some like actual bands. Yeah, uh, but like one that comes to mind is like Riol, who's like. If you listen to some of the stuff that she was doing, even way back in like 2013, mm-hmm. 2014, and it's like, this is perfectly made for anime, and it's never had one, which is crazy to me. She's not actually not that, not that, uh, uh, well, she is a mainstream artist now in Japan. I'm just, I'm shocked. Meanwhile, Asian Kung Fu Generation has like 180. They off do. Of <laughs> I wish Kanaboom didn't have so many like you know like behind the scenes things going on because I fucking love all their openings. Yeah, I've heard something about that. I have no idea what's going on with them. Yeah, it's 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 one thing or another. I don't know. I hope things are okay. But um, actually the that YouTube channel, the first take, I've actually discovered a few like Japanese bands from that that you that fit this description exactly where i would be like i could see this as an anime opening and none of them have any like anime opening credits they just have like their own like individual albums and shit and they've been around for like four or five years i'm like Mm -hmm. but this is perfect like what is going on why are you not getting like exposure well through anime but maybe they don't want that yeah Yeah. well that's all i mean there was a I don't know. So it was both a sh- not a, a heavy news week, but I don't know. I've been just thinking a lot about this stuff, especially just good music. We need more good music. Agreed. I think we got spoiled on having like um like an Eve or someone else do like a, a good openings for also some of the biggest, most prestigious shows. And um, I mean, I can, yeah, I like Lisa's on hiatus, but right. I mean, she's coming back, but also I feel like she might never do another opening for anything but Demon Slayer now. So, <laughs> maybe that like her demon slayer openings are just like fucking cash cows wasn't isn't there about to be a um fuck what is that what is the name of that 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 big rock band la la nco whatever like the like a reunion um a big rock a japanese yeah oh, man. man what am i why am i forgetting what did guy? they do the opening to like i'm hold on i <laughs> cut here for a second i was like it can't uh, be tm revolution because he's just no like solo. no what is that guy's name oh my god now i'm gonna kill myself it's like lassie lot yes and the lead of that Lassie. what is that guy's name yeah um larkin seal yeah i thought they were having like a oh 1991 a holy shit yeah but they've done a million things there's also See Japanese. He was um the guy, the guy who was the inspiration. Do you remember uh, Final Fantasy Crisis Core? Uh huh. The game. Do you remember like the that there was a major 
like Japanese rock star who was like the inspiration for two of those characters, like Angeal and uh, um, fuck. Now I'm just now now I gotta know the answer before we keep going. Because <laughs> uh, I'm gonna be thinking about this. Oh my god, Gact! There we go. Fucking oh, Gact! Gact. Oh, okay, yeah, I know Gact. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This motherfucker is like. Yeah, that motherfucker <laughs> can sing. Yeah, like yeah, there's so many. So many. Yeah, he's been all over, but I know that he's like coming back. Uh, oh really? Yes. Anyway, uh, maybe we can cut this right. But just, <laughs> <laughs> it was bothering the shit out of me. I was like, "Come on!" So, what do you want to start with this week? Um, we could do Realist Hero because I think it's the most straightforward one. Yeah, um, I mean, episode eight. And yeah, it was a uh, to me. It was a. It was all about disaster relief and disaster recovery. There was I only I don't have too many notes on the episode, but there was one which is from the. Well, I think one of the last few lines um, that said where uh, Soma is basically, he says, like, if it's arrogant to think that you can, you know, uh, tame nature, or something. tame nature, then it's also arrogant to think that you can destroy it as well. Yeah. Which is an interesting thing because, you know, I'm there are different perspectives on land management in this country versus other countries. Mm-hmm. I, I can only speak about my experience as an American, but I think that. In this country, we obsess a lot about, um, you know, maintaining natural spaces exactly the way that they are. I don't live in California, but I have friends who live out in California, and they talk a lot about, like, the wildfires and everything else. And when you when you talk about land management, what they really mean is let's prevent the fire. Let's stop these things from happening because of all the damage that they can but do. But isn't it bad because, like, that shit's not like those fires are natural. Like they're supposed That's to right. happen. That's exactly right. So like, I, I, there's not really like a complex thought here. It's more the case of if a, if people are trying to do the job of a natural process. So like forest fires, they talk about like, Oh, you should make, you should cut back the forest and you should cut back that undergrowth so that it doesn't become kindling. But in reality, that's what the fire does. The fire comes in, burns all that shit up. There's trees that need to burn in order for them to reproduce and whatever. But what we do is that we just stop people and we stop fires and we stop everything. And then, you know, you can pay thousands of folks to go in there and cut whatever you want them to cut. But it's never going to do the job of, you know, what a fire would do. Whereas like in other countries, they kind of, I will say, let's call it go with the flow. Land Land management takes on the role of being reactive to what happens in nature rather than trying to stop naturally occurring processes that interfere with people and i think that was the theme at least of the second half of the of this episode and it was kind of like the it was kind of like the the dark shadow to the last episode where it was all about preparation for a bad thing that may happen in the future this was showing how even even if you want to help you're basically at the mercy of nature and you have to come in and help the people but like what's happened has already happened because there's that part I think maybe like five to ten minutes in where they talk about, oh, there's been a disaster in the dark elf place. and But it's so far away, there's nothing we can do to address it. Yeah. Right? We're only going to come in and do cleanup, which is a very underrated sort of like... They spent a whole episode basically digging up bodies to the point where he was like throwing up because he found a pile of mangled corpses. <laughs> 
Like that was wild. I'm like, that's that's such a mundane, but well, at first, kind of I thing. was confused because I was like, when he he was talking about the voice, I was like, nigga, what voice? I was like, <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? But at but then I also was just like, yeah, fuck you, Hal. Why can't you hear the voice? I was like, you dumb bitch. I was like, I can't stand you. <laughs> and then when he revealed the mouse, I was like, well, how the hell that nigga gonna hear was the cute. mouse thing? I thought that was cute. I was like, bro, that's your fuck. That's your specialized magic power. Of course, that nigga didn't hear the voice. Like, right. what the hell? But the throw up, I was like, oh, are you sick? Or like, I basically was looking forward to an episode like this because I thought things were going well. And he definitely had um, like roadblocks here and there that he's like been overcoming. But he hasn't had a moment of like character development yet. Where like he's had to like be introspective and kind of like challenge like his own like thoughts and beliefs. Not that his own thoughts and beliefs are bad, but I was just like, you can't just be good at everything. Right. Like you can't. It's always gonna work out. Yeah. So this worked out in that way. Like I was like, oh yeah, this is exactly what I've been waiting for. It's for him to come up against something that he can't just basically be like, oh, I know how to fix that based off of my experience or my knowledge from the other world. It's kind of just like. Yeah, there's just some shit that I cannot, like, foretell. Like, some shit's just gonna fucking happen, and all we can do is respond. And he hates that. And that's yeah. a good thing that he needs to learn from. And also, I think it'll be great that he might should learn... Ugh, well, grammar, but he's probably gonna learn how to, like, use the other characters as a support system through yeah. going through this. Especially, um, uh, what's her name? Licia? Yeah, which she's like, I didn't do anything this time. He's like, look, there's not much you really could do. Yeah, girl, have sex with him. That's what you can do. Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> exactly. Bust, bust a Y for a G. That's all you mm-hmm. got to worry about. That's what you can do, girl. Because she already, she already thought about basically trapping him in the world with a pregnancy. She didn't have to say it. We all yeah. got that message. Yeah, she was like, what can I do to make him stay? Yeah. Hmm, I wonder. Like, whatever. And y'all, cr- they crushing. But I also enjoy the pace of their crush. It's not like a a rapid like falling they're both like yeah i like them but like i don't want them to feel obligated to like me just because our circumstances when in actuality it's like you niggas just actually like each other just like be clear yeah it's cute i'll put it that way it's it is cute they don't they don't i'm only gonna take it for so much longer though oh (laughs) yeah like if everything else is gonna be adult let's be adult about this shit yeah um so yeah I, i i agree i think that I think this show in general is just a celebration of the strengths and experiences of Japanese culture when it comes to like running a country, you know, mm. because, it, it, you know, every place has natural disasters. And I think a lot of countries are very proud of the way that they come together in order to solve them. But I think they also, you know, culturally, there's a lot of uniqueness in what they focus on. I know that in one of the stories that always got to me was during the, that Fukushima disaster where the uh, nuclear power plant was hit by a a tsunami and there was that there was that moment where you know obviously all the safeguards fail they've got to evacuate and then there's the cleanup and you have all this like nuclear waste or nuclear contaminated uh uh water and sludge and dirt and homes and garbage and you have the elderly people from that city all volunteer to basically go out and irradiate themselves and the to do the cleanup and they said that they were doing that so that the young people would have a future they'd already lived you know good long lives and they felt like it was an obligation to sacrifice you know because they could afford it they didn't want their children grandchildren and younger generations to 
to have to put themselves on the front line for that. Now, the degree to the number of people who did it, it was a little bit overstated, but the but the idea there is something that is unique. I think it is uniquely Japanese, and that as a culture, they're very proud of that. And in this episode, we kind of got the same thing where, you know, disaster management and disaster relief is something that I think Japanese people are proud of their government for being good at. I've heard this before from folks who live over there as expatriates. I've also heard it from, you know, anecdotally through like news articles and everything else. So I buy. Oh, okay. I buy. And that's why this, the whole framing of this episode was like, every episode is kind of like a, 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 a love letter to a certain part of Japanese governance, you know, like all of them are. Uh, and this one in particular was that for disaster relief. Before this, it was disaster planning, which they're also quite proud of. Um, so I thought it was cool, and that they were like two halves of the same same story. And the fact that like they had that philosophical quote about you know ar- thinking that you can arrogantly control nature is you know I thought it was great. I think I love that little speech that he gave right there. I also yeah. was worried that that guy was gonna try to blame him in some way, and I was ready to get real mad. Yeah, and it's funny because each character in these episodes kind of stands in for like a group of people or like uh, a type of thing that happens in real life so that one guy crying over his wife was like the was the microcosm of like all people as they recover from like horrible losses during a disaster and they characterize that through the brother was it rob thur or something like that yeah where he's he's freaking out and he's despairing and but it's only really him mind you like it's not like everyone doesn't know what to do it's just this one person who's gone through something very very traumatic for them and instead of like uh in the moment like slapping him wake up man it's fine they're everyone is very <laughs> is like compassionate they're explaining what's going on but then once they once the the main characters leave and they have a private conversation it's that no 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 that guy his concern there he was he's wrong that's not you, you know you don't just give up at that point there's there's so many other things that you have to do that like you go be sad the government is going to have the stiff upper lip and deal with it the right way you know what i'm saying like that yeah. dichotomy yeah. is something that they took time to set up on purpose so it's like you know if i try to tell someone oh this episode was great because it was about disaster management like they're gonna look at you like are you out of your mind <laughs> but they make it work in the series so i appreciated it yeah also it kind of is his fault <laughs> because yeah. He was yeah. one of the ones who didn't want to do the deforestation. Right, right. And so when she brought that up, I was like, ah, ah, ah. I was like, <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah, it's true, though. They make sure to, to let you know that, like, in all the people who are part of his, his government now are giving the right advice. And mm-hmm. they're trying to save these benighted morons from themselves. So there's a little bit of that, but they don't beat, they don't, like... They're not arrogant about it in the context of the show. They just, the audience knows. Like, we, we know what should have happened there. So, that was pretty good. Um, so, yeah, that was Realist Hero Episode 8. Now, the question is, I know, I know what, we, what we both probably want to talk about this week. You want to just get it out of the way? <laughs> you want to save what? Tokyo Revengers. Oh, yeah, we can go ahead and get this shit out of the way. Um... Uh... I have. I don't think I've ever seen um, a character have a victim complex as mm. hard as Kazutora in my life. Yes. Like the nigga is bonkers. Like not like psycho. Like 
bonkers. Like you went from blaming Mikey to blaming Baji. And I'm like, but you, you accepted Baji into the fucking gang and all this shit. And then like Baji's about to fight one of the Tokyo Mont. And I'm just, ugh. there's, I, I know there's so many threads behind the scenes that haven't been revealed yet. But also in this episode, when Kisaki basically was like, Baji, Baji's the only one to ever like figure me out. I'm mm-hmm. like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, have y'all had like hands before this or something? And I, someone in one of my, in the comments on my channel, oh my God, not my channel, in the video that I did for it this past weekend, they mm-hmm. said it was a mistranslation. And I was like, oh, okay. But I'm pretty sure it'll be clarified eventually. So that's besides the point. The fact that that nigga, another, first of all, another knife, another knife. Hey, people getting stabbed up. People getting chopped suey in this bitch. And the fact that Takemichi did something, I think this episode, at least for me, is highlighting. And if I'm right, that'll be great. And I'll love the series even more for it. The fact that Takemichi doesn't need to change um the like the results of what happens he can just change like the uh, um the sequence of events yeah, to the, the result the flow yeah. and yeah. things can still change based off of that and so that's what i'm assuming is going to happen here so baji clearly is still going to die but it's the way or that he's perceived to like Kazutora is not standing over the body it's going to be kisaki standing over the body so when mikey regains consciousness that might be the trigger to basically be like for Mikey to not go off on Kazutora, but to actually like lean into his um, misgivings about Kisaki. So that was one thing I was really excited about. But also I just kept yelling. Fucking Takemichi was like, well, I don't know what to do in this moment. What can I do? And I was like, little nigga, call the ambulance. Call the cops. Call the police. Like, call the fucking police, nigga. Like, your friend just got stabbed. Also, what the fuck are all those adults, those young adults, they just standing around? Like, ain't nobody like, yo, that nigga just got stabbed. Go get a paramedic. Like, go get some, like... (laughs) Nah, bro. That's not not the code of the streets. But that's that's what I'm talking about. I was like, (laughs) if you niggas know shit could get wild, at least basically be like, all right, now, so homeboy ain't in the gang no more. Like, he's like, you know, he a doctor. But, like, nah, he still bro. be coming through for, like, the fight fights and shit like that. So <laughs> right, he comes here, back. He's here to, just like, make sure nobody dies. Yeah, like, he like he he got his little, like, medical box in case shit gets crazy for, like, somebody or another. And blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, that's what I'm thinking. Like, if you, if you niggas are organized enough to call niggas around the city to come watch it, you can at least have, like, somebody who has some medical know-how to basically right. be like, hey, I'm here to prevent someone from dying in case it goes that far. Well, it's and, funny to me. That, that The whole idea of like, you know how when you talk to old old heads and they're like, man, back in the day, we used to just, we would just box in the streets and it'd be all good. And we know that's a lie. We know that people are getting, that's a lie. That's <laughs> getting a, that run up and done up yeah. for decades. Yeah. Right. But this would yeah. be like if that lie was true. And so, and it stayed true. So you could, like, as you say, retire from the game and then come back to watch a fight. <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> but yeah, I, I always note in this series that, a, like, getting someone showing up with a knife is the scariest thing ever. Whereas, like, in America, also, we're like, where did bro, it, come it could from? be a lot worse. And why did he worse. use it? Where did it come from? And how come he didn't use it on Mikey? 
That's a good question. That's that's the next question for me. And also, what the fuck were you doing the entire time, um, Kisaki? Them niggas was out there getting fucking beasted, and you and your entire fucking regiment came out of nowhere fully healthy without a mark on yourselves. Yeah. Bull I'm not even going to say shit. this is like a problem, but it's one thing I noticed is that if you read the manga because they have less space to like, you know, show things, uh-huh. it's it's easier to understand where people are physically located because in the anime, they are constantly cutting between like different groups of people doing different stuff like you know, it's like in your head, you can kind of visualize it's this like scrapyard. There's some entrances on different sides. There's an area where there's no cars in the middle. And there's at least like one big pile of cars. And so like when Mikey goes up the big pile of cars, he is now physically separated from like a lot of the other people who are fighting. But because like he is getting knocked down or like they're cutting away, sometimes it's easy to forget that he is physically separated from a lot of the rest of the fighting that's happening, which yeah. then makes like, well, why didn't X person run up and do this or whatever? Why couldn't they see this person? It makes it easier to follow that in the manga than the anime. But I think it's because of the anime. They're just going balls out. They have motherfuckers windmill eight dudes like out of the air. People getting thrown down the pile of cars, like just rebounding everywhere. That scene with the dude, the 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 extra captain who was missing came. He literally just like jumped over like eight cars. With a with a metal pipe, like you know, yeah. or not a baton. Like you're just like, oh shit! Yeah, you can kind of lose track of what's going on sometimes. Yeah, Kisaki, I want to. I I can't wait till we get to the point where they like not like Kisaki bear, but like we get to know what's going on inside of Kisaki's mind. Because I'm pretty sure it's gonna be some twisted shit. Like I'm. Absolutely, positively positive. It's going to be. He got whapped up today. I think he wasn't even expecting that. Oh, you know what? I forgot. I forgot all about that. He actually got his ass fucking hit. And kudos to Baji for rocking fifty people. He did. He's like, yo, one v fifty. Let's go. (laughs) And made it to him. But then this is why I said the fucking ambulance because when Baji after the stab, they didn't show any blood on him. And I was like, nigga, you just got stabbed. You bleeding out somewhere. Like, you're bleeding. I don't know where. And then the moment that he stopped in front of Kisaki, I was like, that nigga Mm -hmm. about to bleed out. He about to die. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly what fucking happened. They were were not skipping on the blood this week at all. Especially when he he was like, ah, I got you. He's about to to 1v1 Kisaki. And then he's like, oop. (laughs) You know what? I would be surprised if Kisaki... If Kisaki tries to do the final blow on him and then Mikey wakes up and stops him, that would be amazing. And I would like, I would scream. I would be basically be like, get that nigga out of here. Get right, him out of here. Right, because in the original timeline, he watches Kazutora stab and kill uh, Baji. Baji. And then and he then freaks out and kills, kills Kazutora. Kazutora. Yes. And I noticed that uh, Kisaki made that phone call. Right. Oh, he was Things talking to Hanma. I thought Hanma was going to be the one to stop Baji from like getting to Kisaki, but Hanma ain't nowhere to be found because he probably still has to deal with Draken. Yep. So, so it's so like... Things are... Di- they're, they are somewhat different. Somewhat. Yeah. I mean, we're going to see, but this yeah, is we'll this see. also... It's, it's just very interesting, and I like how they're doing it where they're like, no, nigga, sometimes you're just not going to save niggas, but shit can still change. I like that. I like that. And we're not even done. We're not done. Wait, Bloody Halloween ain't even over yet? We're not done. 
Oh my god! Who told okay. you we were done? We ain't done. I, I just... Uh, well, you know what? This is a great arc to end the season on. I'm fucking loving this shit. Right, and we, get... better, we better have season two announcement immediately. I like, think this show's doing really well. I, I mean, think so. Based off of... Well, the movie, the, mo- the live action is doing amazing. Oh, right. Theaters. I forgot that. And by the way, this would work very well as a live action. Very, yes, very well. Yes, like I could, I would go see this live action, like because yeah. it, it's literally just like pipes and knives. Like, yeah, it's just no like magic, you could. Ain't no what's nothing. that? What's that famous? That famous movie everybody likes, um, Old Boy, uh, with that like long fight scene in the hallway. That single, that like single camera shot. It's like one v a hundred or something with like it's just knives. Oh yeah, like that 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 kind. Of, I mean, obviously they're not getting that kind of direction, but like it, it's. It's very grounded and down to earth. I actually have a feeling it would be a lot more um, harrowing to watch some of this stuff if it was a live action than even animated. Because obviously you can do things in animation that, you know, stretch the boundaries of reality. But like, frankly, most of the, the violence in this series is like people just like getting relentlessly beat in the face. You know, Takamichi scene where he chokes that dude out would look so good. Like as a just like live action because all you gotta do is get on some dude's back and just squeeze till the veins pop yeah. out of somebody's neck like that would look great yeah. <laughs> yeah that would look really good but what else what else did we watch oh standing on a million lives well aka, AKA standing on a lot of depression um well let's just go ahead and say well i'm gonna go ahead and say um i have problems with parasites. I have <laughs> I have problems with parasites because them niggas like it's it's one thing for people to like put stuff in anime that's you're like, okay, that's kind of wild, but also there's like no chance of that realistically happening. There are some real life like wild fucking parasites in the in like the real life. So <laughs> parasites in general just creep me the fuck like parasite, the anime, I still haven't finished it yet. I still haven't finished it yet. Oh like, really? I, I think I'm on episode like 18 or 19. Like I'm I'm near the end, but I just didn't finish it because I think they were. I, it, uh, was that the part where they were at the school or whatever that school, the studio, whatever that like TV studio? No, I think situation. I think I had just got to that part. I, the last thing I remember is he met Homegirl. I think in the park, and then okay. there was and then there was a super one that had like three or four niggas in one body. Yeah, and I yeah, was like, okay. "Bruh, I don't even you know were if done. I can keep you going with this shit." Huh? You were done after that. <laughs> I legit was just like, "Bruh, I don't even know how much I can do with this." Like, because uh, I'm not really good with like horror and body dysmorphia in general. You don't like um, that body horror. You don't like the hand splitting apart into yeah. like. I mean, weird. I got used to the main character shit, but as they like kept going. And like them niggas was killing. I was like, oh man, like, ooh, okay, I'm gonna get through this episode. But then one day I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna watch this week's episode a little bit later. And so, I just oh, never man. came back. That, that I was, read that the, was I read the manga when it got announced and uh, mm. just to see how bad it was gonna get. I finished it. Uh I don't know and I have to ask someone if they changed the ending, because I heard maybe they altered the Manga ending, oh. and I don't know because I didn't finish watching it either. But it wasn't because I I disliked it. It was like I really enjoyed the manga a lot, and I didn't think I would because I'm not a big fan of like body horror shit. But yeah. like M- Migi 
as a drawn thing versus Vigi as a real fucking animated thing are two different beasts. Two okay. completely different animals right there. Oh, boy. And when they start giving them niggas that would split their heads into pieces, yes. I'm like, bro, I can't deal with this shit. Yes. Uh, yeah. So uh, we see in this episode of A Million that it's 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 a parasite that, like, attaches. It doesn't, like... But also, it's, like, warping the body. And... Uh, uh, first Yo, of all... Mad shit boy, happened in this episode. Can we actually talk about the... The fact that we time skipped and we got a whole new character and we got like mad, years. mad like uh, English. Se- <laughs> in Seventeen year half. time skip. The the niggas are in summer. He's at the grandfather's house. He's back with those boys who apparently he was traumatized over separating with. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a second, nigga, why are you so happy? I thought you like felt away about. Okay, okay well, okay cool okay great called the girls out there did the met the home girl okay the biggest thing for me is that now i want to know um those other people who did the game are they currently doing a game or are those other people as opposed to <laughs> yukari right i'm <laughs> certain that most name. of them are are very dead yeah That's i'm assuming I'm that they're dead and like so it's different people doing the um the quests like yes. to, um uh in like you know in in order so like it's not simultaneous quests happening it's it's your group's chance and someone eventually will find your videos and shit on the internet and i also thought that was really interesting that this new girl was already like i already know about this shit and she's a straight up lesbian and they had like a a coming out moment of miscommunication which yeah. was actually handled better than i thought and then of course she perved Again, right afterwards. But in well, those, you know what? I in that minute and a half, fact, I thought it was fine. I appreciate the fact that she said, homegirl, she was like, well, do like heterosexual people like every single... Which is a great opposite line. Sex? That was a yeah. fantastic line. Yeah, I was like, thank you. Now get this over to fucking homophobic niggas. Like, yeah. please. Like, it, it is not just because you were that, that someone's going to basically be like, I got to have it. Right. It's like, you're not attracted to every other woman. So like, it would make sense that or like... Homegirl's not attracted to every guy that she crosses. So, of course, she's not going to be attracted to every single woman that she comes across. Like, yeah. But people don't consider that when, you know, your orientation is considered the norm. So Yeah. But it was but, handled, I think, with a level of Yes. Better humility. than Shogeki no Soma. Right. And that they were, that you know, the way... Yeah, exactly. There were, that, that, there were two scenes, right? And, like, Soma dealt with it fine. He was just surprised. And I think, you know, it's funny that... This issue came well, up here. Well, that's more so the portrayal of uh, the the opponent. Because yes. we talked about that, yeah. The portrayal yes. of that opponent, as opposed to her basically just being like, yeah, gay, next. Right, it is what it is. I, you know, yeah. but one, one of the things I appreciated here is that even though I don't think it was handled perfectly, it was this idea of like, okay, well, it's uncommon. And so... Yeah, the reaction was not derived from I am disgusted and now I have to become undisgusted. It was that I was surprised because I didn't know and didn't expect and, you know, that I would meet someone with a much different background. But to be fair, they they kind of set it up with her not being Japanese and having a lot of um, communication questions. And, you know, like this is a very different person than all the main cast are getting to know and understand. Yeah. And so the idea that this foreigner who's already alien to them is also 
a lesbian, which is also alien to them, is all sort of of a piece, and it's part of the same kind of conversation. And almost all the characters, well, there's only two characters who know about it right now, but their reaction was more, uh, they felt apologetic because they felt maybe they should have known, but didn't. And, you know, it wasn't it wasn't re- discussed or anything else like that. Yeah, I don't no- think it was anything, like, excessive, like, ugh. Yeah. It was just, oh, Oh, Which okay. you would have gotten if this was like a comedy and that the sexual orientation was being played for a joke. If the, it was, yes. there was like a punchline to that, those scenes, whether it was characters being embarrassed or the, uh, Glenn, I think is her name, um, being like a, a hardcore perv. Like those are two very well trodden routes for shows to go. Shows have no interest, by the way, in this topic whatsoever. It's just a bullet point. Whereas here, you know, it's still a feature of the character. And there's a, there's a small joke that's thrown in there, I think, to alleviate the tension that the two characters are going through. But it yeah. didn't feel, like, gross and out of place. You know, especially how weird the whole show is. And uh, it was bookended by a lot of, like, really tough emotions and horrible shit happening. I'll say we could talk a little bit about the beginning of the episode. So once they, but the beginning, once they get back to the other world, so they time skip in real life, but they also time skip in the episode. And now we met Kavel's daughter, who was a little girl, like seven episodes ago. Yeah. Of course, Kavel is dead. So now, um, Tatia is feeling all kinds of things (laughs) like, fuck. (laughs) I I mean, wait, who is? I think uh, Tatsuya. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just got from that scene that he basically was just like, I I mean, at least he feels guilty, but basically he was just like, yeah, I used her and she had all those feelings for me and I basically was just like not around. Do you know what that reminded you ever? Did you ever watch Street Fighter, the movie, the one with Raul Julia? No. Okay, so there's a scene where he, it's a famous scene, it's like a meme now. Where uh, he's talking to Chun Li and she's like, "You, I remember the day I was a little girl and you and your men came and burned my village down and killed my father and it was the you know the worst day of my life." And then he he Raul Julia turns and looks at her. He's playing M Bison and he's like, "You know, for you know for you it was the most important day of your entire life, but for me it was a Tuesday." Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's basically what was happening. Only like you know Tatsu's not an evil psychopath he's like man i was the most important thing to ever happen to these people and they were just a footnote and a tool for me to get through this stupid fucking game like that's a weird how do i deal with this yeah so yeah we saw all that stuff go to the woods meet a goblin goblins kicking ass um it's too high level so we don't have any we don't have a explanation for that maybe something they did um, has uh, caused these basic monsters to get stronger. I thought it was going to be a goblin arc based off of that thing, so that's why I was pretty surprised with the parasite. I don't I think was that like, was there for oh. no reason. Like, no, I definitely don't think it was there for no reason, especially with it being threat level, what was it, D? Yeah. As opposed to F? to F? Yeah. Yeah. So, so Tori jumps in, he gets washed. Um, oh, you know what pisses, it. you know what, Tori pissing me off. He, he fucked up from the off. beginning because he they, like he was they were deliberating over what mission to take. Ah, just take the short one. Like, and also that's... he wasted their question. Yes, he did. He wasted it because okay, I missed that part last episode. 
Um, I didn't know that there was an after credit scene. So when I started the episode this week, I was it like, it was like jumped ahead, right? Yeah, I was like, wait, did I miss an episode or something? So then I went back and had to rewatch that scene. So I was just double pissed at him because I was like, bruh, you literally are just like, you're not taking this seriously, like at yeah. all, and it's yeah. gonna bite everyone in the ass. So, so yeah, he fucked that shit up. Then he gets one-shotted by the goblin. The rest of the team tries to jump in. They're sort of stymied and fucked up. And then Glenn just like kills that dude by cutting his head off. So she's strong. She's definitely stronger she's strong. than them. And also good on EU for like not completely abandoning her magic. No, no. She's being Even more strategic. She's strategic, but the magic is still ass. I would argue she had actually the biggest uh, like power-up in the last story. Because... Yeah. And like she had a a major feat, but it just sort of was as a part of like their side story, not so much um you know the Tatsuya's primary thing of taking down and finishing that that quest, but like that moment where she popped out the water, you know, basically in a bathing suit, but yeah, beat, beat and that use that shield to like surf over there or some yeah, shit. yeah, that was pretty that was actually pretty cool, so yeah, you know the she is still growing, she has not been forgotten as a character, and then uh. What's the other girl? The but also the, I still have suspicions of her from the first season. I have suspicions of everything. I was gonna just say my my general feeling about this series is that they it's pl- every every like emotional or like plot mo- development is played like very flat, but it's kind of done on purpose because every time something happens, it's basically horrifying. Like yes, every reveal yes. is terrible. Yes, everyone's life is like just so fucked up and. Fucked and weird but like the whole show has this like there i don't know how to describe it it's like they like you take all that all the weirdness and all the emotional stuff that might be at a 10 just from subject matter and then they like deliberately push the volume on it down to like a three so it's just very it's very flat but it doesn't feel um bad it feels like you just sit there and soak it in like when the girl when they found that girl in the woods and uh i was like bro this is already gonna be some fucked up shit like, I didn't even need to know what the twist was. I was just certain. Whatever we were going to find out would be absolutely awful. When she was like, oh, I'm hiding from the people in the village that y'all are supposed to be going to. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Right? And then we get the end where the where the zombie comes out of the woods with the fucking worm eating its brain and the tentacle arm. And she's like, Papa! Which means yeah. that he wasn't like that the last time she saw him. Which is even more fucked up. I mean, I'm pretty sure she's taking care of the dad in some way or f- some form of fashion. That's why she didn't want homegirl to come with her. Right. I'm thinking that. But then also, what the fuck does the village look like? Is the village know. parasitic or is she hiding from the village because she saved her dad? Or she had something to do with it. That's the other thing is that every time Whoa. we have these stories and it's like, I don't think this is just like some random little girl. I'll be no. straight up like, no, I do no, not no, believe no. that shit. For a heartbeat. And also, remember that at the beginning, we actually foreshadowed all of this because what was the movie that they were filming? It was like, it starts with a bunch of, a little girl in the woods being attacked by a bunch of zombies. That was the movie they filmed. The little short film. So here we are. We're in the woods. There's a little girl with a bunch of zombies. But this, they, it ain't what they were filming. These ain't no fucking random mobs. So I'm just, I don't, I want to know where this is going because this is going to be our kind of last story arc of the season but also yeah. i don't want to know because i feel like it, they're not going to be able to finish this arc they may not or it's definitely going to be hard as fuck 
Because this seems to be where everyone else died, right? Yeah. So. And that was that was another reason why I got pissed off with Tori because I'm just like, this is the quest where usually niggas fail. Yes. So you pick like well, also I think that the big thing about this is that um, Yatsia he's not communicating no. to everyone else. He's just thinking about it in his own mind. I guess he's just assuming that well, the girls usually just left everything up to him, but yes. Tori's just like, oh well, I'm here too. I'm a, in I fact, I would argue that everything has become kind of inverted because in the beginning he was presented and acted like I'm the character who's the brains of this operation and yeah. I kind of have figured out this world before everybody else. And so I'm going to give guidance to the rest of the team and yada yada. Like that was the that was the way they were going. Now what's happened is there are people on the team who are stronger than he is. There are people mm-hmm. on the team who are as clever as he is. They're, everyone kind of has their own independent will that they want to do things in a certain way. They've all had adventures and growth without him. And meanwhile, his confidence about like, oh, I can solve this. We can find a way through it has been completely inverted on itself because now he doubts everything that he's done up till now and the consequences of things that he's doing. Especially like when they had to... that. I haven't really like process this yet but like the end of the last arc involved him murdering a child yes who who he you know and he's very aware now that like all these living beings have consciousness and everything else but he's determined to be detached from that so i feel like that's going to lead them to disaster here and in fact i think this is going to be the low point of the series it may involve all all of them kind of like you know the the breakup kind of thing where like nobody wants to listen to or help or do anything for each other. Like I have a feeling there's going to be a, there's going to be disagreement here because it doesn't look like they're a well-oiled machine at all. I'm waiting for the new girl to reveal some kind of like wild personality trait. That's true. We need. I'm, I'm waiting. Yeah. Because she seems a little too put together right now and like too informed. So I feel like there's some kind of ulterior motive coming from this, not just like filming it for her, her like world documentary like video thing. There's something else that she's dealing with. Oh sure, sure. <laughs> I'm 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 waiting for that moment. I'm I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for that moment. She's got a lot of like big sis Onesan energy going on, but this series has shown me anything. It's that all the characters are complicated. Yes, but it's not necessarily. So what's her complication? Things... Yeah, I'm. But the things that are, that that are going on with them tend to like not be externally directed like i don't think for example that she's a degenerate but i do think that you know there's it whatever the scenario is right now in the story is gonna play to whatever fuck shit she's dealing with uh but that said i i i don't see this ending well for anybody i do not and some of them are having too much fun by the way i think tori needs to get his ass humbled somehow yeah and dying doesn't really do it. Nope. Like, it's gonna have to be either him making a huge mistake, but also, like, would he even, like, consider himself, like, I don't know, I feel like he wouldn't take the blame. Or, like, he wouldn't take responsibility for it. He would just somehow find a way to blame, like, Yatsuya or something. Right. You know what I haven't really thought about now that it comes up? Is Yatsuya the only one who, uh realizes that it's not a game um uh, i 
think, ooh, that is a very good question. Oh, wow. I think EU does. Maybe. May- maybe. Does she? I don't. I don't know. I think he's the only one who's actually sitting around. I mean, they've said things like, oh, well, the, the fact that time passes kind of gets to them a little bit. But like one girl is still in her own fucking imaginary universe. I yeah. don't think EU's <laughs> ever said anything about it. Tori is a fucking moron. Glenn is new and was chasing after this, I think, because she was just interested in internet weird stuff and then got roped into it by the game master. So, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah. We're, we're, we're going to see. I, all I know is that this arc, they're starting it on fuck shit. So, yeah. we'll see. All right. Well, then that just leaves Vitus, which I, is that episode eight, I think? Episode I seven, episode eight. I think it is eight. Let me, eight. See, let me see. Let me see. Vanitas episode eight. Yeah, you're right. So let's do a a quick rundown of what happened in the story, and then get to the the fun part. So I had a I enjoyed this episode a lot. We yeah. start out with the meeting that Noe and Vanitas have with uh, what is it? Count's name or the dude? Uh, Ruthven. Yeah, I couldn't pronounce it, but yeah, so they, they're having the, you know, the sit down. I thought that they were going to reveal a bunch of info. Instead, it was kind of a trick. Viatus was trying to figure out what's going on with the queen, and he basically accuses her of being the source of all the curses, which pisses some people off. Um, the Duke almost murders him in front of everyone, then throws the whole team out, and we time skip a week, and we find out through a little backstory or a little, like, a flashback to when it's just the Duke and Luca by themselves, that he knew he got played by Vanitas because he, he knew that vampires always flip out when people say shit about the queen, but Luca didn't because he knows that what Vanitas was surmising, that she's completely out of action, might even be dead or whatever, is in fact true. So that was a cool scene because we got reminded that, that Vanitas is smart and he's also after some other info, but we don't know why. And then it kind of segues into the hunting down the members of the Chasseurs, who are the church antagonists. Though he had a weird line, Vanitas did, that these aren't real Chasseurs. So maybe this is like a a fringe element of the church that is sort of broken away and doing their own thing. We get introduced to the the primary antagonist in that end, which was, uh, what's that captain's name? He said he was the 12th captain, but I don't remember what his name was. The blonde hair. Um, Roland. Roland. I think. Homeboy was a cool... This is, by the way, like the type of character building I enjoy a lot. He, his design... Anytime you have like church priest inspired bad guys, you know, like I enjoy that design. And he was like playing up that he's this ditz and that he got lost. But he had definitely figured immediately that these guys were not... When they were when they were infiltrating that underground uh, area and wearing the, the uniforms... Um, no way and Vanitas that uh, Roland figured out immediately that they were uh, one of them was a vampire leads them out uh, throws Vanitas in a cell attacks no way and then we get the cliffhanger so there was a lot that happened that covered from the end of the last episode through a time skip into um, the new stuff but there was in the the middle of it the not, there was not a lot of fighting there was a lot of good comedy and a lot of good like character building between the Dampiers. Well, I didn't realize that's what they were. I thought they were just agents of Orlock, the Duke 
that they were working with who's on the outside. Uh-huh. Um, but all that, like, all that, when they were, like, going down the catacombs and talking about, like, the history of the world and bickering with each other. I think one of them is also canonically gay, the gray hair one. Um, the girl, I mean, they definitely had him presenting as, um, yeah. I thought it was cute. Gay. I, thought, I thought that his character grew, in my opinion, with that extra bit of information. I mean, um, I just enjoyed the bickering between those other two. Oh, I they were all funny. all fighting with each other, which is really funny. I he love that. What did he call one? Called a fat. The other called an old lady. And they yes, started, like choking each other. But I also thought it was interesting about the the introduction of them being half vampire, half human. Right. So I'm like, where do you guys like sit in all of this? Um, on the, like the fringe faction or whatever. If they're like anti vampire, why aren't they killing the vampires? Why are they capturing them? I That's don't my question. Know. And the whole thing with Roland, I was like, oh, you juicing. You juicing. Bro, like, you that was the coolest up. part. I'm like, oh, now we're getting some super-powered humans. Let's go. Yeah, I was wondering how um, the they were going to fight them because like, it automatically, you know, like the vampires definitely have like powers. But it seems like Vanitas, even just like as a regular human, they, the humans, even though the world formula changed, there doesn't seem to be much... Um, of a difference as far as like power level with them. Right. So, so this was very interesting to know that like, Oh, they have to have like juice themselves up with something just to be on the same level as a vampire or to fight one, let alone kill. We didn't get to see his weapon, but my biggest thing and my favorite part of the episode was the Ruth scene. Mm. the Ruthven scene with Vanitas and like Vanitas just continually going and saying that back to back to back and the queen stuff and it wasn't even the part about the queen the thing I got out of that was that it wasn't that the queen is sick and like is the beginning uh, like the origin of the curses I got out of that is that Ruthven is ruling the vampire world oh, that's a good point yeah because uh, Luca is supposed to be the grand prime minister but right. since he's not old enough, he already said that his uncle, Ruthven, is the one that has the powers and is basically yep. doing everything. So with the queen out of commission, that means Ruthven is basically running shit. Right. And so that's why I felt like, oh, that nigga went wild on you because you literally hit everything on the head. And then it also um, makes sense because when Luca, and I'm assuming he was at the queen's bed, when he like reached, when they showed that that arm or like that hand, it looks like she is uh, beyond Vanitas's like saving. So that's one right. thing. And then also he could also be correct again, where she could be the origin. And uh, maybe it's because I don't. And so they haven't like expounded upon like you know because she's the queen of the vampires is she in in any way connected to other vampires because if that's the case then yeah she definitely could be the origin of the curse because she shares a connection to all vampires so in some form or fashion like they could be corrupted through their connection with her because she is corrupted but right they're, hey, that they're all vulnerable to it because of something that happened to her yeah so that's all me theory crafting though I have no, no but that's idea. good. That's actually one of the things. There's, so there's two aspects of the show that I deeply, deeply enjoy. The first is is sort of what you're driving at, which is that the mythos around the world that they live in is strong enough to support a lot of interesting ideas. Yeah. And so as they un unravel them, or rather, I should say, as they expand on them, the show itself 
and the world becomes richer, it doesn't like narrow down to a point, right? Because we still don't, there's so much that we don't know. And there's also a lot that they probably will not explain um, as you go forward. So like, what is the role of the queen and so on? Second, I think, um, and probably more importantly, there's a lot of space for really cool, unexpected things to happen. So I didn't expect that. I mean, I knew that the church, they would have to obviously have some method for killing vampires. And, you know, you could pull from uh, historical references. You can go back to, like, other series that have, like, you know, I was thinking, like, Helsing. You know, like, the the ideas for, like, the church faction or the Catholic church faction and, like, how they're able to fight toe-to-toe with, like, supernatural creatures. Like, there's a lot of, like, cool yeah, things yeah, you can yeah, go yeah. with. But I had forgotten until the end of this episode that the whole origin of all of the, uh, the alt history and the weird creatures and the abilities was that idea of, you know, the world code being rewritten, which leaves a lot of room for interesting and cool... Like, for example, you could have, and there probably is in some sense, like, a magic system a power system that goes beyond like, you know, what is physically possible because that's how they describe the, that rewriting of the code as extending. It's just, you know, those extra abilities. Now do our vampires the only ones who got them? Are there other ways to get them? Well, we learned in this episode, probably there's some weird alchemy, you know, that is going on. I would imagine that there are, which did have something to do with like the ore and shit changing and the flowers. Yeah, exactly. Like, Like ways you could do that. I'm, I don't know. Uh, one of my favorite series that was, I think, has been largely forgotten from the early 2000s was a show called, like, Witch Hunter Robin. and Oh, yeah! Yeah, and so in that series, the witches were being hunted down. The, the idea was that it was for security purposes, but you find out at the very end, spoilers for someone who hasn't watched a 20-year-old anime that got, like, almost no, <laughs> no traction in the United States... But they were, they were, when the main characters were arresting and subduing all these witches, they were actually getting sent to a factory that was extracting, that was basically boiling them down and then using their blood to make the, the ammunition and items that would b- allow the humans to block the power of the witches and actually like hurt them. So you, you get this like uh, Hansel and Gretel in the pot kind of scenario at the end. And I wonder if the solution that the guy injected into himself it does not come from the vampires they might be abducting and killing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that was the that was the plot for Witch Hunter Robin, which I thought was a cool idea. Yeah. I mean, we're gonna see. As for well, look, what the fuck? Now we're <laughs> gonna see. I'm looking forward to <laughs> what the fuck Ruthven is gonna do now. Cause I know he's not gonna leave them alone. No. I feel like he's definitely going to send people into that world for Vanitas to accidentally die or some shit like that, which is not going to happen because Noah said in the first episode that he's the one that kills Vanitas. So, so, hmm. so I have my, my thought, and I think it will be a swerve. I think that Ruthven is basically holding on to power in order yeah. to cover up all the fact that uh, the queen is gone, but he is very, very loyal to what he thinks is like, her or that that sort of um well i think that that, the order that they have that he's very loyal to that but i think it's actually uh domi's sister who is the actual antagonist here oh and i think once it's exposed that the queen is in the state that she's in and may have been corrupted that that kicks off vampire civil war oh well, see, after you just said that, it made me think that Ruthven doesn't want people to know about the queen's condition because 
if she dies, they'll choose another queen and then he'll lose his power. Yeah, I think all of that is is a is a good guess. Um and it may actually be all the above is true. So I think it's just a really interesting setup. The more I you they are they they tell us about this world that they've built, actually the better it gets and the more sense things make. Yeah. Uh, so I I, I I again I go back to my original statement with episode one, which is that was a good episode for teaching us about a couple of characters, but I kinda wish that for people who I don't think too many people drop this, but to be fair, I haven't heard a lot of talk about and chatter about this series. Like I have I, not. I haven't seen much talk about it. There's a lot of engagement on it on like social media, on Instagram and um and well, no, not Twitter. I've seen a lot of engagement on it, just primarily on Instagram, I guess. But I think a lot of people are doing like BL AMVs. I was gonna agree. I was gonna say that on Twitter, which is where I mostly look for this stuff. That's what I've seen. I've seen a lot of like in the last, literally the last two weeks, like actual BL bait being, yeah, you know, generated. Which, which I saw no news whatsoever about this. Um, I. I understand it, but also um, the show is good. So yeah, it's like, that's not it's just a that's, great production all around. Yeah, so it's kind of just like I would hate for it to be known for that because it is a good show, like mm-hmm. really fucking good. And I don't really get any BL vibes from it outside of like all that shit that went down in the previous episode, but. Even with that alone, it's not like they do it every fucking episode. Like, that was the first episode where I was like, whoa. But that was seven episodes in. Yeah. You know, that's a, you know the, that's funny to me that the series, like like Vanitas, which ad- addresses and really, I think, um, doesn't doesn't make any pretense about its comfort with, like, I won't call... I don't like just calling it BL. I just like thinking you know uh relationships between all of its cast of characters romantically and otherwise and and it has like a framework of a romance mm-hmm. a series like this is one that, that it took such a long time for there to be any interest from the community that likes to ship characters that have no romance whatsoever with each other other than just looking cute like it took it's taken this long whereas like almost instantly in like high queue you know, for example, which is just a sports show. There is like almost no uh, romantic overtones at all between anybody about anything. That was like instantaneous. You're right. It's, yeah. So I don't know. I have no explanation for that, but it's just I've noticed it. it. They had to like have an episode like episode seven in order to get people excited to like in that community. Which yeah. is crazy. This is vamp- which... like vampires have always been like a great so you know uh, a great topic area for like uh that kind of storytelling you know or I, ambiguous gender and like all of this stuff and it's like nothing it they had to hit you over the head with it to get you to be interested that's crazy i mean uh, i uh, i understand them like you know at least doing that just to get that audience's attention because that audience will spill, spend money even if the show itself has nothing to do with that but I just I don't want the BL to take over the the overall <laughs> like 
I don't want the BL to be the center focus of, or the BL potential to be the focus of this show as far as like mainstream or like just like general coverage of it because it definitely deserves like, it deserves like recognition for just like the pacing, the story, development of all of the characters so far. Every single one of them, even all the supporting ones have been definitely developed in some form or fashion. And like, even like Ruthven, he's only been in it for what, like two? Three episodes? Yeah, not that much. Three episodes, and we don't have, like, a huge backstory on him, but we definitely have a sense of what are your motivations, where is he coming from, and how does he fit into this story, because his name has been around since episode two. Right. So. I guess, I I see where you're coming from. My perspective is, like, this is already a romanticized story. And and by what I mean that is like the way it's presented, the way the characters are drawn, the way the world sort of has that like melancholic, but like hot, what I would say a romantic atmosphere. It has a but 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 from like a aesthetic point of view, not from like an individual characters. Individual characters just have relationships with each other. So like Noe and Vintas's relationship has romantic elements to it, but not overtones or undertones. It's just the way that they're drawn. And the way they may be in a scene and the way they stand and hold themselves, the way the camera pans across a shot that they are in is very romantic. But their their character relationship is very character driven. Everything about them and what they do and say to each other makes sense when you know who both of these people are in this world. And so there's almost like no need to inject anything else because we know, like both from what's said and the way like... Like the way Vanitas acts with Jean. That's romance. There's no yes. bait in that. Yeah. That's just straight up like... That's, yeah. This is what he is about. This is the story they're trying to tell with these two characters. No way stuff is like... He has a straight up romance. But it's with uh, Domi. It's not with Vanitas. So like the idea that, again, you have this romantic show with actual romance in it. With like actual romantic like scenery setting and everything else is the one that people have to struggle hard to get the BL people into. Not that I want them to take over anything, but like, it's just, it's funny to me that the, that the work has to go in there. That's all. Anyway. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. I like this episode a lot. Next episode, I think we're getting a lot of action in the beginning, at least. I would hope so. I would, I would really hope so. Cause like now we have cool skills that like, when when he when he threw that flash bomb, I was like, oh, he's gonna blind him. And then I'm like, wait, they've been making a lot of allusions this entire uh, episode to like the Chasaurus taking out people's eyes. Vinitas talks about it. They get that that room with all the the vampire skulls that have their eyes blown out, which was creepy as fuck. Um, so I'm just wondering what the what's the implication of this? Is this gonna like I don't know? It just it seems cool. I'm really, I'm really excited. Yeah, I am too. Okay, so that's the stuff. I think we all we mutually watch. Are we forgetting anything? No. Uh, how about things that you have seen this week that may not have fallen, you know, in the main group, but excited you or you caught up on or anything like that? Um. Yeah, uh, to your eternity was um uh, in the line of parasites. Um, <laughs> Isn't that whole show with the line of parasites kind of? Um, 
kind of, but this arc took it. At first, it, they weren't parasites. They were just like um, mimicking. And yeah. then uh, um, the antagonist discovered that they can actually um, take over humans. Ugh. And so uh, literally there's a scene of a guy, um, a parasite starting to take over his arm. He chops off his arm, um, then proceeds to try to save the main character, saves the main character, stays behind. And then it shows a scene of the parasite um, crawling into his open arm wound. Ew. And the wound. Like, yeah, like they. Ew, I don't want it. Ugh. Yeah, they really, they really said we're going to traumatize you and show you real fucking like wild shit simultaneously. So, yeah, um, to eternity. Yeah, that was crazy. You Did you watch Battle Game in five seconds? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, apparently someone said that they changed the order of things. Like, they revealed the green leader's ability too early. I don't really care. This so, episode, yeah, is, that that so much that fun. person is only technically correct, not like functionally oh, correct. Oh, okay, that's all. Well, the ep- this episode was so much fun. I fucking loved it. I loved uh, not even just the clash, but just like everyone showing up to the stage and like us seeing, you know, this ability, how this works. More um, clarification on how his ability works, and yeah, just overall, I I just love the action. And even if it is a low-budget show, it, it does what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. I really fucking like it. And I thought that, like, Catgirl was going to hate, like, Team Red. But, of course, like, they're sadistic like her. So they're like, oh, yeah. Like, she's like, all right, well, you know, I don't usually do this shit. But since it's y'all, I'm going to do some crazy shit extra, extra. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, that voice, that, that Seiyu is having a lot of fun. Oh, yes. Uh, you can that tell Seiyu? she's just screen-chewing ev- or, or whatever, voice-chewing. I don't know what you yes. call it, but they're having a blast. <laughs> having a fucking blast. Yes, she's having so much fucking fun. And that's one of the reasons why I keep coming back. I'm just like, yo, like, this bitch is just like, she's making scenes just from her face. Just that part where it was just her face and she was just talking. I was like, I love this. Like, you are exuding so much energy and, like, characterization through the fucking screen. I'm like... This can make up for so like so many things can make up for just like no a low budget. Oh like, yeah, it, absolutely. But it's energy and style. It is, but yeah, I mean overall, I'm just very interested in seeing how battle game goes. There's a lot happening, but hey, I'm I'm dug I'm dialed the fuck in. It's good. Yeah. So one of the cool things about this episode is that it sets up what I enjoy and have enjoyed the most about the manga and the story is that. As Akira figures out how to use his ability in the most advantageous way possible, it opens up all of these possibilities for how to resolve various challenges that get thrown in. So in this episode, we finally are starting to see him test some of the limits. And and, and that being that if he can get multiple people to think that his uh, ability is something different, and he can figure out a way to consistently get people to focus on him when he wants to be focused on or to share that focus, then now you realize like his ability is such that he could have many abilities. And uh, also Cat Lady is noticing him figuring the shit out. Yes. So eventually she's going to probably make a game where that's going to like interfere. That's going to directly interfere with his ability. Yeah. And I like, like the what? fact... So one of the, the questions that had come up before had to do with um, you know, what they had changed 
especially when it came to the ability of the leader of the of the the green team. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And so what I think what they meant is they don't in the manga write out what his ability is. You just see that scene. So the explanation of it doesn't come until a lot later uh, to explain how it's working. So, but you still see the ability and you, and it's just that the other characters are guessing about it. But let, I just want to point out, he didn't say what his ability was. It was just a monologue in his own head. So it doesn't change anything about the story or anything else because the other characters still don't know how it works, nor have they particularly guessed. But I think that was to that was to make the scene make a little bit more visual sense and add tension to it to know that it wasn't something that he could just do indefinitely, which would obviously play into the next what's what they've previewed for the next episode. So um, it's a little different, but I don't think this is not the same thing as how say in in uh, Tower of God they they literally moved a whole segment of the plot to a, like the end of the of the season. It's different than that. But yeah, oh. fun fun episode. Okay. Um. Anything else? Uh, the fairy gag in Dragon Maid made me laugh so. Just oh my god, it was, it was, it was fucking perfect. Um. Also, the Sakuga with them playing soccer with someone's like discarded shoe. Kill Ani. I just. <laughs> They they over animate some of the most random fucking scenes. It's so just like out of nowhere. But there was a there is a gag this week with actually there were a, there were several gags this week that actually you know what all of them were fucking hilarious. But my favorite one this week was there was a fairy that came over from the dragon's world to the human world, and the youngest one was like in their like school and. Uh, she found it, and the reveal of the fairy was so fucking insane. It's literally like a buff, like bodybuilder man <laughs> as a fairy. And so it wasn't that reveal; it was the reveal of her face when she found it, like as though like to mirror the audience's reaction of like, "Bitch, this is what a fairy looks like." Was it like horror? <laughs> or it was horror. horror. It was like a blank stare of confusion, like. It was it was perfect. Actually, I think I made it the th- I made it the thumbnail of my video this week because it was so fucking perfect. Like the way she looked at that shit was literally like, "Bitch, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, what is this?" But yeah, May Dragon always amazing. And then what else did I watch that you didn't watch? May Dragon. We both watched. Oh, we didn't talk about Sukumichi. I mean, I mean, it was it was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's not. Bad. I mean, yeah. It, shit's happening. Um, Rembrandt is a great, is they're, they're gray. They're not good nor evil. They're gray. That's what I got out of it. Yeah. That, I mean, the, you could sum up the, the whole episode in like two halves. One was like shenanigans around like making the medicine. And then the other and half smart was smart like, for telling one of them to sit the fuck down during yeah, the fight. Yeah. Uh, nigga dropping it every five seconds. Um, <laughs> and then the other half was around, I think just the resolution of, uh, the group that is targeting Rembrandt. So, in in those two halves, I would say there there was cool there were cool things that went down. And Tomoe showed how cool she is. Yeah, like you got to see the that our our main characters get some good ass hand to hand combat. Like, 
some judo shit. I was like, oh. Yeah. And they animated it pretty decently, too. So I was like, okay, they, they're trying to show something off here. So that was cool. The daughter, Rembrandt's daughter and wife got saved. And then in the second half, there was like that, I would call it a comedy fight uh, with the so-called assassin group. And what was that guy's name? Lime Lot or something. The number one hero. Or the number one adventure. In, in, it's in, like uh, they always go up against the number one and they just Because they're all full them. of themselves. They're like, oh, we yeah. got these motherfuckers. Like he, They tried to murder them. Uh, with that mage hitting him with that fire blast. I loved just... it when he did that speed hand to fucking hand hand to face shit on the yep. mage. That shit was cool. He gave him the gave him the fucking hands, and Tomoe just tore that shit up. Mio stole money from that dude and just humiliated him. So yeah, but then they had a nice little like turn because Tomoe basically recruits him as a ninja. After giving him a badass katana, which is really cool, and so he yeah, I was back. like, "Girl, why are you giving him that shit?" I was like, "She's just, she's nigga. like, she is living in that." Excuse me, she's living in that feudal fantasy where like she thinks that she's like a, uh, uh, if 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 the main character is the lord, like she's the the, I don't know, like the the subordinate who also is building their own army because she yeah. just recruited that guy herself. She's also the one who. Uh, identified, but hasn't told anyone else yet that um, uh, Rembrandt is maybe I don't know if up to no good is the right term, but they're not they're not inherently friendly. Oh, okay. Right, because that scene she saw it, but didn't communicate that to anybody else. So That's true. So she's doing her own sort of like uh, I won't say management or cleanup, but like. I like that the characters are not stupid. I guess that's where I'm, where I'm going. Because you could make the series one where the main character knows everything. And then all of the secondary characters are constantly looking up to that person for direction and for their own storylines, frankly. Um, here, everyone is kind of independent. And sometimes it's for telling a joke. Like when in the previous episode where Tomoe comes back and just wants to eat and get sidetracked with their own insanity right or an episode yeah. like this where she shows up but is actually paying attention because because her and mio identified that um uh there was a group of people hunt you know following them around they were the ones who were sort of prepared to have a fight um they tomoe basically finishes the fight herself and then takes it on herself to continue to surveil uh rembrandt even though everything would tell you tell the audience that these are good guys so that's cool. It has, you know, it has motion. The, sometimes it goes to a joke. Sometimes it leads up to more plot development. But yeah, so that was that was my read on the episode. Is just a lot of like um, tying up loose ends on this storyline and then moving us forward into something else. Oh, you know. Yeah. So for me, I watched the next episode of Edithin. I won't give a over a whole overview. It was very raunchy. Um, but somehow purposeful, made a lot of cool, cool setup for the growth of the powers of all of the main characters. There's a cool scene where they really address the fact that because these are gods, the way they think about the world and how they think about their own existence in the world affects how they can use powers to be more dangerous, deadly, or wily. There's uh-huh. then there was also some discussion um that move the plot forward on like what is the what is the big bad's plan or what what 
how do I say this the right way? In this show, no one is omnipotent. And so a lot of the the, the storyline and the interaction of the characters is about everybody trying to f- suss out what the other side is doing, what are their intent, and then what can they do to stop it. And that's a very like um, uh, cerebral aspect to a show that on its face looks like it's about big, big powerful deities punching holes in mountains. So it's a nice little counterpoint whenever Easley and uh, uh, Prontia talk to each other and strategize just like on the other side the demons are also strategizing amongst themselves so i thought it was a fun episode where the powers um it was kind of like a training little like mini training arc but then also there was some fuck shit happening on the demon side that i will not describe here so that we do not get a uh a flag (laughs) oh god platform but it involved a blurred out object that was used by a character in desperate need of release oh i will just leave it at that um oh, goodness. and then i also went back and rewatched a little bit of heavy object which was a series based on a light novel back in 2015 had like 24 episodes it it was in the, the news recently because the light novel that's behind it is ending or will end after the next chapter and i just uh-huh just was reminded after seeing some other non-related mechanical design like images on twitter i was like oh that reminds me of heavy object oh heavy object was just in the news oh i never really finished that the season that they produced so i was rewatching it it's okay um the coolest thing about it is that it's a show that embraces like the physics and so it's a, of like combat and these giant they're not robots. They're just these giant battle platforms. I think but, I watched one episode of that, and I was like, maybe, and then no. Uh, yeah, the no for most people is that it tries to incorporate a type of fan service that I think doesn't really translate outside of the light novel um, approach. Like, when you have, like, a very serious battle where you watch, like, villages of people get incinerated... And the main characters are literally, like, on the verge of death trying to figure out how to beat these nigh-unbeatable fighting machines with, like, intelligence and physics and, you know, battle tactics. And then it transitions into, like, forced perversion and, like, lollycon and whatever. It kind of... The two aspects of that... uh, Like, presentation, they don't fit well together. They kind of feel like bolted on there in order to like maintain an audience but the problem that i always and it's not a i call it a problem but the conflict is that when it's doing the things that i described in the first half it's a very compelling and interesting show because it is it feels a lot more grounded like i'm watching some episodes now where they're dealing with a uh, uh, uh an object that is shooting projectiles into the lower atmosphere and then using physics to basically accelerate them down at like ultra mock speeds to one shot like enemies and it's and the way they have to figure out how to beat it is really really interesting because they start everybody on the back foot and then there's like a scene like in the middle of the episode where the the commander who has like humongous boobs is like essentially groping the shit out of the main character who is both into it, but then also doesn't really care. So it's this, like, strange dichotomy. And then she, like, transitions to a speech about how, you know, the fact that her family can usually gives birth to male 
heirs means that like you know she's being mistreated by an aristocratic society that only wants her uterus which is a very deep conversation but i'm like you can't show me those three ideas in a row and expect me to take any one of them seriously which is and that's why i think you get that the same kind of thing happens in like the first six episodes so that's why i think ultimately i dropped it was because it i like where the fuck is this going like what is i'm not really invested in any of these characters and like what i thought this was and what it really turned out to be is something else however as a light watch it's not bad in fact it's if if you just ignore those other parts it's really inventive so i don't recommend it to most people but but yeah i'm not gonna i don't recommend it but like it has some value to it and if i i may wind up like just finishing it passively um but it wasn't like a humongous turn on for me like oh yeah you absolutely gotta go and check it out i just remember losing track of it and uh this is a a little catch-up okay um so yeah besides that i I don't really have anything else i do have like a recommendation but it also comes with a rant okay yeah yeah yeah. go for it okay the fast recommendation is um xenoblade chronicles x the soundtrack love it oh well yeah because that's suwano yeah, so, and I, but yeah. I'm saying this as someone who I remember before the game came out. I didn't have a Wii U, so I was never going to buy the game. Oh. But I remember that when the tracks were leaking, and I was just listening to all... You know, I think they leaked like five or six tracks off the soundtrack, and I'm like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard in the yeah. last five years. I and then say... I then the game came out. I didn't hear anything else about it. I didn't have a Wii U, so I did not play it. Mm-hmm. And I forgot that the soundtrack in whole was available. And I moved on with my life. Then fast forward to earlier this week, and I was reminded of a track that I really liked. I'm like, you know, didn't that... This game has been out for a while. I know it still hasn't been ported to Switch, which is rant coming later. But let me go check the soundtrack out. It's awesome. It's awesome end-to-end. I love it. I've been listening to it on repeat while I do other things this Mm -hmm. week. So that's my Mm -hmm. recommendation is go check out that soundtrack. Now, my rant is... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, no, I want to hear the rant now. Go the rant is, the why rant. the fuck is this game not been re-released on Nintendo Switch? Okay, I was just about to go in on that. Yeah, so, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I agree. This is, this was like, I put, I first of all, didn't beat the game, but I put so many hours of playtime into the game because I kept changing my build. Yes! Like, it was so much. The fighting was so much fun. The music was phenomenal. And the mecha, the amount of customization that you could do on your fucking... Me- First of all, my favorite thing about... Well, no, because... The, 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 when you get the mecha, you earned it. You earn it. You earn the mecha. And you earn the ability to fly. And like, like everything in the game is earned. But also the entire time that you go about it, it's so much fucking fun fun and it's the typical like xenoblade chronicles like okay yeah you can walk you walk on the road bitch and if you go off the road a level 150 is gonna kill you immediately your ass yes it's gonna whoop and this is true in every fucking area that you unlock the more areas that you get to the more areas that you unlock you're like oh yay okay these first few enemies and then you immediately run into regular enemies not even like boss area enemies it's like regular enemies that are like if i get caught by that patrol i'm dead like immediately but 
it just makes I don't know. Maybe they're waiting to do f- for Xenoblade X what they did with um, Chronicles mm-hmm. for um, uh, the 3DS, where they waited for the 3DS XL with like the improved like you know stats and shit like that, and they released that on 3DS with that version, as opposed to just like releasing it on the original one, but. It's past time. Yeah, this like, makes no sense. To the me. fact that Tokyo, I'm shocked that Tokyo Mirage Sessions got b- got ported over before this game. But this I'm is... actually really shocked that by that. Actually, you know what? No, I'm not because Tokyo Mirage Sessions is a mixture of Persona and uh, and Fire Emblem, and that Fire Emblem makes Nintendo so much money, so much money. I wouldn't be surprised if they primarily ported over Tokyo Mirage Sessions just so that they could bring those characters to the Fire Emblem mobile game. Oh, actually, that's a that's a <laughs> that's a really good uh, because catch there, yeah. Well, because when they premiered them in the mobile game, I almost thought about re-downloading it and pulling because I was like, bitch, I love those characters. Oh, they almost oh got God. your ass. They, they almost got my ass. And I honestly, I did not like that mobile game like from Jump. I just don't like, I like strategy RPGs, but I don't like them in mobile settings where it's like, we're going to release a new stage once a month. I'm like, no, bitch, give me the full game. Yeah. So, no, you, you hit the nail on the head. I... I I'm so frustrated with Nintendo uh, of Japan. I understand that like Nintendo of America and does it's, not. It's not Monolith Soft because them niggas. No, do it's work. not Monolith. Like I understand that like Nintendo of America, they don't have any almost any control over yeah. what what is really getting funded or ported, which is crazy. Like why do you have this whole subsidiary whose only job is basically promotion? It's not like decision making yeah. or being like, oh, it's a you know, firm. yeah, like it's it, it blows my mind. But that's not even the problem. The problem is that there's so much free fucking money on the table for Nintendo. I could make like an endless list of like of either franchises or just games that would be so simple for them to re-release with a very minimal amount of advertising. Re-release that, the fucking Kirby game from Nintendo 64. That's what I'm saying. Money. Like, well, you go, let's go a step further than that. Everything that is currently on 3DS should be available on Switch via their emulator once they release the 2DS. Yeah. When they released the 2DS, there was no excuse whatsoever that these all these games did not also go on Switch via the Nintendo eShop. Yeah. It, it makes no sense because before the argument was, oh, well, you know, there are some 3DS games who, based on like the technology that we have and the, and the play form and the, and the factor of it, they weren't going to work for at the time, like, you know, Wii U style stuff. As soon as the Switch came out, a Switch is just a much, much, much better 2DS. And, and a 2DS can run anything that a 3DS can run. Yeah. So why what what in God's name are we doing here? You have an entire library ready to go. All the shit like there's so many things that have been ported from Wii U as of right now that no one ever fucking played that you would leave one of Monolith's like biggest fucking games. I mean not big in terms of sales, but big in terms of content that's endlessly replayable. It almost seemed like 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 uh Xenoblade Chronicles X was should have been designed for the Switch. Because everything about it, it's like an MMO minus the the internet connection. Yeah, and honestly, maybe they'll be like, "Oh, we're having problems because the um the the Wii gamepad was integral." And I'm like, "No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't." 
if yeah. they can make the world ends with you on uh, the fucking switch you can make that work it's literally just another menu button that's right. it maybe the map thing would be a little bit hard because the map is shy it's it's fucking huge in that game and you definitely need markers because some of the quests will not basically give you a, a like you know like the little oh go this direction and you'll eventually make it there like some of that shit doesn't do it so you have to mark things you have to mark resources you have to mark a whole bunch of things you've got to do farming because you know you got to build new pieces for your fucking mecha and then you have to fight dragons right. in the sky and your fucking mecha it's like this game has so much potential to fucking like break now my own the only other thing that I could see them doing is maybe they have a Xenoblade Chronicles X2 on the way. And so they're waiting to announce both of them. So they'll announce like, oh hey, we've ported over this one and the new one will be out within the next eight months. That would make sense. But we we haven't had any Nintendo. Yeah, nothing Direct Nintendo lately. does make sense. Especially like the timing of like releases and like getting people excited for shit. I I mean I could probably rant endlessly just about this problem but there's a whole ass other thing when you start thinking oh, about yeah. so they're releasing persona Smash they're releasing Rose alone yeah they're releasing um shin megami tensei nocturne like the new one finally why the fuck don't we have hd remixes of persona 3 and persona 4 golden those games sold so fucking much there's they're too busy still um Oh, actually, you know what? What are they working on the next Dancing All Night? Like, get these. Get, this is free fucking money. Not, well, that's not Nintendo. That's just Atlas. I'm just saying, like, the, if I go down the library of shit that was on, you know, uh, that should be on on Switch, that should be easy to get to, you know easy to make the deal do? for. Because they only have specific Persona games on Nintendo, but Persona, the Q Labyrinth games, yeah, those are good. They can put those on the Switch. Anything those are that really was like PS2, games. anything that was like PS2 era, has no excuse why it's not on the Switch. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I'm, Nintendo. I'm done. I'm done, I'm done complaining about these things. If uh, I'm not advising anybody go out there and do anything illegal. But I will say that it is possible to play Xenoblade Chronicles X on a PC. And that's all I will say. And Ooh. you should go do that. Because <laughs> yeah, no, ain't no one's going to go buy a Wii U for nothing. Yeah. I still got my Wii U. So I still play it occasionally. But Well, you're, you're a lucky one. It's so. like a... It's a it's listen, I just know... I'm just letting y'all know. If you do manage to get your hands on that game, you're not going to put it down for like yeah. a minute. Especially once you get your Mecca, then it's just going to be amazing. Well, that's all I got. <laughs> Same here. Um, if you have not already, make sure you follow us on social media, anime underscore savants on Twitter, and then anime savants on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Um, and no, our Twitter and none of those accounts follow that heavenly or that griffy nigga. None of them. Yeah, we good. We we clean. Yeah. I try you can catch me anytime at Neural Handshake on Twitter. Um we're not involved in any of this uh any any YouTube drama, thank God. And uh yeah, it ain't it ain't gonna come up here and none of these none of these people are gonna taint our audience, whatever whatever bit of it we got, so it is Yeah, I mean if you feel a way about it, you can hit me up on Coral Shore, but I'm literally 
probably just gonna block you. Yeah, if you want to so, get blocked, go right ahead. Yeah. Talk to me about it. I but I don't care about any of that stuff. Yeah. So it is what it is. Yep. Um. Then that's it. Uh, peace out, y'all. Bye.